Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. I'm very happy to announce the extension of our podcast sponsorship, the Ready State Virtual Mobility Coach. Dr. Sturette is a movement and mobility coach for players in the NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA, plus a doctor of physical therapy. Kelly has created a program called Virtual Mobility Coach. And if you haven't tried this, you got it. It's so simple. Every day, Virtual Mobility Coach gives you the guided videos and walks you through it step by step using Kelly's proven techniques to relieve pain, improve range of motion, and improve performance. Since coming on board as a sponsor, I've had a lot of listeners, including my own clients, my own athletes, who have been using these protocols on a daily basis, and we have seen an increase in recovery from training session to training session. What does that let me do as a coach? It lets me train them a little harder. It lets me push them a little bit harder. So you got to try it. It's completely free for two weeks. If you decide to continue, you can get an additional 10% off for life. You just have to use the promo code PROJECT10. Again, the promo code is PROJECT10 to use the Ready State Virtual Mobility Coach a sponsor of the Project Fitness Podcast. Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with another unique individual, someone who is a little different compared to what we normally have on the podcast here. Today, I'm sitting down with Doug Sands, and Doug Sands is a hypnotist, a weight loss hypnotist. And from being in the fitness industry since 2002, getting paid for it since 2003, I have come across a lot of different variations of training, exercise modalities, practitioners. I have never heard of weight loss hypnosis. So I'm excited to have you on here today, Doug. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And Doug, you're coming all the way from Utah. We talked a little bit about some of the snow. That's the first thing we have in common, but we also try to help people and you do it through hypnosis. So I want you to start off with like, how did you get into doing that as a, as a profession? Absolutely. It definitely wasn't a a straight line to being becoming a hypnotist. I think there are very few people who, you know, when they're kids are like, I want to be a hypnotist one day. Um, I went to college for psychology and for English, thinking that eventually I would be a, um, like a psychologist and do something in that field to help people out with, um, with their thoughts and with mental illnesses, mostly because I was struggling with my own mental illnesses at that time. Mm-hmm. I had anxiety and I was dealing with depression. And so I left, uh, I left college for a while to go kind of, you know, find myself in the stereotypical way, started climbing some mountains, exploring some new places. And it eventually came down to a hike in New Hampshire where I got lost in the middle of a blizzard talking about snow again. Um, it was the closest I've ever come to, you know, facing my own death, my own, my own, my own mortality. And it was that moment that I realized I couldn't keep living the way that I was living. I couldn't keep just pushing away my anxiety or my depression. I actually had to deal with it. If I was going to um, survive if I was going to live a, a life where I wasn't constant, uh, where I didn't feel I was constantly um, had my back in a corner or the wolf is at the door, or whatever you want to call it. So I eventually found meditation as a way to kind of calm myself. And for me, growing up in rural Wisconsin, that's where I'm originally from, uh, that was pretty radical at the time. And so through meditation, I started learning the science of it and started really diving into what our mind is capable of. And that's when I discovered hypnosis. And like so many people, I thought it was just a sage show gimmick. I thought it was just, you know, someone makes someone bark like a dog and they dance the, the funky chicken and that's it. 
but there's a lot of science behind hypnosis. And it's really a field that is kind of in its heyday right now. It's, we've, we're kind of experiencing a renaissance with hypnosis. People are starting to um, explore it through apps and other things on YouTube. Uh, anyway, I, I started using it as a passion project to deal with my own stuff. And when I saw just how effective it was, I got trained in it and it just kind of took off from there. And so now it's what I do full time. So how does training go? I mean, do you go to like hypnosis school? You know, is it a hypnosis weekend course? Like, how does that happen? Yeah, kind of like that. Um, unfortunately, just because there really aren't that many hypnotists in the world, I want to say it's something like 17,000 worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, there's no one hypnosis school. And so all of these private hypnosis schools have kind of come up with their own um, certification method. And some of those are a little bit more legitimate than others. But one of the cool things that I think hypnotists all share in common is that we are always learning new things. I got my initial training with a guy out of Toronto, um, but I have since been to trainings with guys in Nevada with a woman in California. Um, I'm still constantly improving my craft, constantly learning new things about the mind and about our habits as well. That's wild. So was it like, is there a graduation program? Like, do you have to go, you have to do this, then you got to work for so many hours, then you come back and you do it again, you work for so many hours, or is it like a one, a one shot, one stop shop kind of thing? Some programs do have that, um, that graduation kind of thing where you you have that internship. I personally did not go that route because I couldn't afford it at the time, Mm -hmm. but um, I went the initial one shot. And then I've since gone on to much, much, um, much more depth hypnosis courses. I think the initial one was like a week. And since then I've gone courses that were about two months long. Um, one that was one that was on completely online that took about six months to work through. And so there are a lot of, there's a lot of variation. I want to say that hypnosis, the actual skill of hypnotizing someone is not that hard to learn. It's really about what you do after someone is in that hypnotic trance and hyp- hypnosis for, for change work for like habits and weight loss that's actually the same hypnosis that's happening when someone is on stage. The difference is what you're doing when they're in that trance. I'm actually bringing in a lot of tools from psychology and um, neuroscience to actually make that change when they're in that place. What's the science behind that? How does hypnosis work? I've, I've been, you know, a university kid, you only see the, uh, you know, the performer down at the bar or something like that. And he's hypnotizing people in the crowd to do ridiculous things. And you're sitting there and it seems like a little bit of a sideshow. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is the science behind it? Yeah, that sideshow aspect of hypnosis. You know, when I first started out, I was kind of disgruntled that people, you know, always think it's just a, just a, a sham or something like that. But if we didn't have stage show hypnosis, we wouldn't have hypnosis as a change modality because it kept hypnosis in the popular realm. Um, hypnosis originally came about around the same time as psychoanalysis. Actually, uh, Sigmund Freud, the man who many credit as the father of psychoanalysis and psychotherapy, he was a failed hypnotist. He actually would hypnotize people, but his dentures would fall out. And so they would wake up anyway. Um, Did hypnosis- you say his dentures would yes. fall out? His dentures would fall out and he'd try to put them back in and yeah, they'd come out of trance. There's anyway. nothing worse to ruin an evening than someone's exactly. dentures falling out, right? <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah. Anyway, um, hypnosis has been around as a science really since about the 1850s. Um, in 1847, it was approved by the Roman Catholic Church as not being you know, witchcraft. It's actually something that our minds are doing. Um, and I think it was in 1956, in the 1950s, that it was first approved by a major medical board. It was approved by the American Medical Association. And since then, it's been approved at, by the American Psychological Association, the uh, British National Health, 
the National Health Society in Britain, um, the American, no, anyway, um, other health organizations in the in Europe and in the United Kingdom. Uh, really the science behind hypnosis is um, where I was most fascinated by it. So people have been putting hypnotized people into MRI machines for a couple of decades at this point. And they really study the brainwave patterns of hypnosis. And when we're in a normal conversation, like you and I are right now, Chris, we're in what's called beta frequency. And that's where, you know, we're awake, we're alert. Below that, we have alpha frequency. And that's like a light trance. You know, you're watching a movie and you get really into it. And even though it's just pixels on the screen, you feel like you're there and you still jump when something comes around the corner. Um, below alpha, that's where we have theta. And theta frequency is that golden state of hypnosis. And theta hovers right above delta. And that's, that's the lowest we can go. Delta is where we're actually asleep. And that's why it kind of looks like we're asleep in hypnosis. But in that theta state, it's a really creative state where our unconscious can um, give us ideas and we can actually communicate with that unconscious. And for anyone who's ever experienced guided meditations, that's kind of the link between meditation and hypnosis. A lot of guided meditations will bring people down to that alpha state. And some I notice will actually advertise that they're bringing people all the way down to that theta state as well. But um, for those of you who, you know, who have experienced guided meditations, that's kind of what hypnosis feels like. And if you haven't, if you've experienced a moment where you're you know, lying in bed, trying to fall asleep for the night, and you have like a brilliant idea and you've got to wake up and um, write it down, that's because your mind was passing through that theta state, that really creative state on its way to delta to fall asleep. And that's, that's hypnosis in a nutshell. That's really interesting because I've heard of a lot of people before talk about that idea of they wake up in the night, they have an idea that they wrote down. Um, I, I played a, I played university basketball and uh, over the years, I've had a lot of different coaches and the best coach I ever had, you know, um, his wife told me that he used to have a pad beside his bed at night and he'd just, mm-hmm. he'd wake up and run over and he'd just be, or he'd be jotting stuff down, different plays, different tactics, different ideas. And she said, he does his best thinking when he's sleeping. <laughs> and yeah. I'd forgotten about that until you just mentioned that right now. So obviously something was working there. What's the correlation yes. with meditation? Does meditation do the same thing? Sometimes what I like to say is that meditation is very similar to hypnosis. Uh, in solo meditation, it's a little it's a little further apart from hypnosis because our mind is actually speeding up, even though it feels like we're kind of slowing down our brain. Our mind, our our brain wave, our brainwave frequency is actually increasing. It's entering what's called gamma frequency, and that's mm-hmm. just anything higher than beta. Um, with guided meditation, that's that's the link with hypnosis. Um, guided meditations, however, are all about simply getting you to a relaxed state. Whereas hypnosis is about getting you to that relaxed state and then making changes. When, when a person is in hypnosis, the part of their mind that kind of blocks out, um, blocks out things that they don't want, you know, in their mind, in their unconscious, in their habits, that part, it's not offline. It's still there protecting a person. So even though we've got this myth of hypnosis as mind control, it's, it couldn't be that because hypnosis, it's, it's all about a person being willing to go into that state and then being willing to make those changes. So when a person is in that theta frequency, that's when that critical faculty, that part of us that, you know, blocks those suggestions, um, it's a little more permissible. And so the difference with meditation is that a lot of times with meditation, someone is using, you know, it's flowery language, like you're going to feel fantastic and calm and you'll sleep amazing tonight. That's all well and good. And maybe that works. But with hypnosis, it's all about communicating with the unconscious in a way that it understands. 
using you know proven language patterns and talking in emotions and feelings and visualization those pre-language things that are unconscious you know that part that comes from our brainstem our kind of reptilian mind language that it really understands and you use this specifically for weight loss is that your clientele yes um, I do. I do primarily weight loss. That's what people typically come to me for. Um, over the years, I've also um, kind of branched out into disordered eating and body image because that's kind of what I struggled with as well. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what brought me to weight loss as a as a niche in this field because that was something that really impacted my own life. It was my first coping mechanism. So if someone, you know, they call you up, they hire you and they, and they say, Hey, I need to lose weight. And you say, okay, I'm going to hypnotize you to lose weight. How does that work? So the, we have a, you know, initial strategy call, and then I've got two different programs. One is just straight weight loss. The other is about, you know, the emotions for someone coming in for you know, disordered eating or something like that. But the actual process of getting to that point, I, you know, some people ask, can you make me lose 50 pounds by this weekend? And I said, no, that, that's not possible. Um, what we can do in a single session is we can help a person reach that point mentally that they're at that healthier state, they're at that thinner state, whatever it may be. And then it just takes time for the body to catch up. It's really about changing the identity of who that person is, changing it from being someone who you know, eats a pint of ice cream every night on the couch to someone who takes better, to someone who makes better choices, even if it's not, you know, they're going to go out and run 20 marathons by, you know, by their, by their fifties or something like that. It's really about releasing those habits and other programs that don't actually serve them. So the mind, the mind does not like risk. And so the mind will hold onto programs that seem to help us, but that might not be the same, but that, but that, but that might not be the most effective option. The mind doesn't like to branch out and try new things because in primal times that meant risk mm-hmm. that meant trying new things, you know, branching out, trying to find new water sources, and that could be life or death. And so the mind is going to hold on to those negative, uh, those negative tools, even after we logically know that we don't need it. Maybe your mind has um, this habit of craving ice cream before bed. And at some point in your life, that was, that was a benefit to you. Maybe, maybe you actually needed the calories. Maybe that was a habit from your teens or from college when you were growing. You must have been talking that- to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but now that you no longer need it, your mind is still running that program because it still believes it's helping you. And that's one of the most important things that I stress, whether it's weight loss or emotional eating or body image issues, is that your mind is not broken and it's not working against you intentionally. Your mind is actually working perfectly. It's simply running an imperfect program perfectly. So what I'm understanding is people will come to you and they want, they want to lose weight. And mm-hmm. I, I assume if someone's going to look for hypnosis to assist with weight loss, They've probably tried a lot of other things before and have mm-hmm. not had success. And they're going to go this route now. What, what I'm hearing is they have programmed patterns that are not helpful, but at one point in time was not so much now. So when you work with someone, you work to reprogram these patterns. Exactly. And it's, you know, that's really, that's really hypnosis in a nutshell. It's not about, you know, maybe waving the magic hypnosis wand or something. It's really about changing those habits the same way that we would, you know, with willpower, with that 30 day habit changing program. But um, it's about changing it oftentimes in a single session because, and bringing up that point of people trying a bunch of different things at first, you know, when people would say, you know, I've tried everything and I'm finally going to try hypnosis. I was a little bit insulted, but I realized <laughs> that it works in my favor. 
because people have tried everything. They know that if this doesn't work, you know, what else is there, what else is there to help them? And so they're much more willing to, uh, to invest emotionally and um, yeah, just emotionally, I guess, in their change and to um, make that change themselves. Because ultimately I cannot change them. Ultimately it's about them being willing to change. If someone comes into my office and, you know, their wife is on them um, about their weight and they're like, yeah, I'll just try this hypnosis stuff and kick some tires and see what happens. Yeah, we can get results with that, but it's really not going to be nearly as effective as the mother of three coming in and saying that her doctor, you know, said, if you don't lose weight, you might not be around for your children's graduation. It's all about that motivation to make that change as well. So if they're willing to do it, you have obviously much higher success rates with them. Someone's got to come with the mindset of, okay, I'm here now. I'm ready to do this. Yes. I, I think that carries over in a lot of different uh, fitness programs anyway. Yeah. Let me, let me uh, paint a picture for you. Cause this is a very, if someone is listening right now and they're a personal trainer, strength conditioning coach, they know exactly what I'm going to explain. Client says, this is the common thing we hear all the time on our side, the trainer side is I was perfect all day long. All day long, I was good with my food. I got my workouts in. Everything was great. And then at night, I sat down and I was bored and I just can't stop eating. Every night, I'm bored and I find myself in the fridge and the cupboards and stuff like that. Is that a common thing that comes up? And if so, how do you address that? Yes, that's absolutely common. And that brings up a really great point as well about willpower. Willpower is this finite resource. You know, each day we get you know, a tank of willpower essentially to, to work with. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of the day, when uh, we're feeling great, that's awesome. You know, we can go to the gym, but each decision we make in a day taxes that willpower a little bit. And so by the end of the day, um, when, especially when you're bored, as you mentioned, your brain starts to bring up those old habits again. And um, it's really about, as, as you mentioned, when they logically know that this is not helping them, when they logically know this is actually hurting them and bringing them further, you know, push, pushing back their goals, that's the point that um, logically they're ready to make that change, but they need some help making the, the unconscious change. Mm-hmm. And you've had successes with people before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I would say someone asked me recently, like, how many people have you hypnotized? And I definitely don't keep, you know, I don't keep track of that. I would say I've probably helped about 200 people through the, the weight loss program. No way. And, and for 200 people, it's worked for weight loss. Yes. Well, I, w- I will say this. Hypnosis, like anything, is not 100% guaranteed. Um, I can do everything in the book to try to help someone change, but unless they're willing to actually put in the hours, um, then it's about, you know, then it all comes down to how willing they are to implement these changes that they already know are good for them. Mm. I would say hypnosis has about a 70 to 85% success rate. That's pretty huge. Like if you think about it from a weight loss perspective, that's very high success rate. Because a lot of times it's funny. I, I'll hear the same thing. I've tried everything. Now I'm going to try personal training. Well, okay, thanks. Like, what yep. am I, the hypnosis guy? Come on, uh, just kidding. But uh, same concept. Same concept. When people say they they try because everything is seems very easy up front. Do this, you'll get this. Do this, you'll get this. You know, delay gratification doesn't really matter. Um, and a lot of people fail early on. But to have a, a percentage of success rate that high is, is pretty good. When people come to see you? Is it, is it a one session kind of scenario? Do you work with them for, for weeks, for months, for years? For most of my program, <clears throat> excuse me, I apologize. I'm getting over cold, but <clears throat> for most of my programs, <clears throat> sorry, okay. about grab, grab a sip. Don't you worry. All right. For most of my programs, it's typically around, um, 
two to four weeks. I know hypnotists who try to, you know, they say I can fix anything in a single session. And I think you can do a lot of great work in a single session, but to make it, to make it last and to really wrap up those loose ends, I recommend clients come in for at least two sessions, probably the most successful work that I've had with weight loss. It's about a four week program. And, um, the first session it's about working on, um, installing those changes that logically you actually know are helping you, but you just don't have that, those habits. And then the second session is about, it's about releasing anything that might be holding you back. Mm -hmm. And then the third session is often about changing that identity to be that healthy person. And that fourth session is often simply about wrapping up loose ends and making sure this change is going to last. Mm -hmm. When you said identity, I think that's such a huge component here. Can you elaborate a little bit? Cause I've heard of that before about uh, using identity to make habits last. Yeah, and this comes from the work, I think it's Robert Diltz, Diltz Logical Levels. Anyway, in a nutshell, it explains how easy something is and how hard it is to change. Um, at the bottom of the scale, we have our behaviors, you know, our day-to-day things. Those are pretty easy to change, relatively speaking. At the top, pretty near the top of the scale, we have our identity. And our identity, everything lines up with that. If you've, you know, if you've ever seen like a born again Christian, maybe they were like a motorcycle gang uh, member before that, and then something changes their life and their identity changes overnight. And all of a sudden, every single thing that leads up to their identity also changes their habits, their motivations, their, um, their actions towards other people. And so changing that identity from someone who struggles with their weight to someone who is on the path of healing or, you know, better health, whatever it may be for that person. Um, even if they are not there yet, their mind has a clear target to work for and all of their habits, all of their actions are going to line up with that target as well. You find that today's society, um, sets people up for failure with, with identity. Um, just seeing things like on social media, if you stand in the, in the line at the grocery store, you'll see right away all the magazines mm. to the right, try the watermelon diet, lose 40 pounds in four minutes, stupid stuff like that. But do you think that people end up getting these, these negative impulses from that? And it's hard to change their identity because of what they're just being blasted with all the time. I absolutely do. And this is really important for my, for clients with body image issues. We're constantly being bombarded, even when we don't realize it with these impossible social media and you know print magazine standards. But I also think it's, as you mentioned, you know, those fad diets, I think that's really, that's really inhibiting our weight loss. You know, we're all with that. We're all trying to look for the silver bullet, that one thing that's going to fix us overnight. Mm-hmm. And I often tell weight loss clients, you like, yes, even though hypnosis, it's, it's very effective. You're still going to need to do the work. You're still going to need to exercise and change your diet. You can't just get hypnosis and still eat two gallons of ice cream every week. You're just going to have to uh, hypnosis is just going to make it a little bit easier. If you, I think could, that though, just... if you could though, sign me up for that program. <laughs> Absolutely. I think people have a lot of, um, people have a lot of expectations about how quick hypnosis is. And so, um, those are some things that I've really tried to dispel in that first session. Then how do you carry over into, um, the exercise component? Cause you already mentioned before, you said there's other parts that need to happen. So if someone comes to see for weight loss, you're going to do some hypnosis work on them. And then where does exercise fit into this? Yeah. Exercise is a really big port, part of every work, every session that I work with. Um, it's not about, you know, turning someone into an exercise junkie. It's about helping them to 
remove any negative associations that they have around exercise. Maybe the last time they exercised was in high school gym class and they had to run a mile and it was forced. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they have negative associations around the gym. Maybe they were heckled at some time in the gym. Uh, and it's all about removing those blocks, those roadblocks in their way. Um, I often tell clients, you know, you don't have to be that marathon runner or you don't have to bench press 300 pounds. It's just about getting some activity and getting that into your life and stopping your brain from stopping you, stopping your brain from throwing up those walls that you have to climb and overcome just to just to live a healthy life. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that. I, I'm having a guy on the podcast uh, later this week and um, he's strength conditioning coach and uh, he's working in NHL for a while. And he put together a program to educate physical education teachers, gym teachers. And the program essentially is to, you, you, you got to stop teaching games, like games and sport. That was cool in the 60s and 70s, but mm-hmm. you have to teach people skills to be healthy long-term Yeah, because the side effect was, or the side effect is you go to gym class in grade 10 and you play volleyball, let's say, yeah. right? Yeah. So for 45 minutes, you're sitting there trying to not have the ball hit you in the face. <laughs> yep. Like you're, you're just sitting there, like, like students are sitting there in terror and fear. Don't, uh, don't serve the ball to me because I don't play volleyball. Mm-hmm. When the concept of physical education programs originated because the community did not have access to sport. So they wanted to expose kids to sport. That was a form to do games and sport. It's 2021, man. There's sports everywhere. Anyone has access to sport, but when you graduate high school, you're not going to play volleyball unless you played, you know, varsity volleyball. So you're graduating without any skills of any fitness, anything to do with your health. So what do you remember? Grade 10 gym class, dodging balls. So you really don't know what to do to take care of your health. So when you already mentioned that before about what was phys ed like, you got to overcome some of those barriers, man, you just hit the nail right on the head with that. Yeah, absolutely. And what I find with clients of all types is that our brains do not respond to the world around us today. Our brain is responding to the world of yesterday, the world of maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I I recently spoke to someone who's in their fifties and they're still running this they still talk about this issue that was in you know, their, their 15, 16, uh, their teenage years. Mm-hmm. And their brain is still running that old program. And it's, yeah, absolutely. And then I'm sure you must see a, a different type of clientele coming in with, with these scenarios here. Um, do, do you like, is it like an onion, like Shrek? Do you, un, do, you, do you go one layer at a time to break things down to work with someone? Or does everyone kind of start off with a blueprint? When you're, yeah, when that's, a really great, that's a really great uh, metaphor, that onion idea. Oftentimes um, in that first session, someone uh, goes away and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm, that's fantastic. I'm fixed. And then a week later, they come and they're like, everything's broken again. Where it's, it's not that. It's like you're stripping away those layers of the onion. The onion, that, that is the issue. Um, that, that's, that's why I often tell people it's not a one session thing. Because we might, we might take away one, two, maybe even three layers in that session, but there might be, you know, five or six layers to this onion. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all about getting to that root problem, getting to the center of that onion, uh, because when you remove that root cause, whatever it may be, all of those coping mechanisms, whether it's eating ice cream or not going to the gym because you were heckled for something like that, all of those things start to crumble because it doesn't have that foundation that it was originally built on. You ever use like biohack moves um, to work with people's brains to get um, like happy hormones secreted and stuff like uh, like do- dopamine's a good one, right? Mm-hmm. And the more dopamine, better people tend to be. Uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, because this is your area, not mine. Uh, sense of accomplishment releases dopamine, right? Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And and just for people listening, what does dopamine do for the body? 
dopamine is that feel good chemical. It's that chemical that um, links things we want to repeat. It's, in, you know, in the lab situation, if our rat uh, presses a lever and gets food, it gets that shot of dopamine. And it's, the, it's essentially the brain's way of making sure you repeat a habit. And that's why, uh, that's why food, you know, food addiction or just bad habits around food, whether it's ice cream or Pop-Tarts or whatever it may be, that releases dopamine in the brain. And that essentially creates a habit for us, even if we don't want it to be a habit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're the first person, you're the first, like, uh, we'll say professional. I'm going to explain what I do to, to train my kids. Okay. I got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, two boys, all my friends in fitness who have children, I've noticed from observing, most of them don't like fitness. They don't like it at all. And as they get older, they don't want to do what mom and dad does. Yeah. And my assumption is mom and dad kept trying to push them into it. Right. And they rebelled. So I don't do that. I do the opposite. I don't make fitness and health inclusive. I make it exclusive. So I, I, like I tell, that. yeah, I tell my kids all the time, like, cause I got a gym in the basement. It's called the fudge factory. My last name's fudge. Uh, <laughs> I like that. And I'm like, no, you can't work out down here. You're not big enough yet. You're not old enough yet. You're not mature enough yet. You're not ready for this. You want to do exercise? We'll go outside with some things, but you're not ready for this stuff. And they kept pushing me and kept pushing me. Like, I want to lift. I want to lift some weights. So I said, okay, here's the workout. I made it super simple, five exercises, very basic stuff, some pull-ups, whatever. But I wrote it out on the chalkboard. Mm-hmm. And after each individual one, would finish their five reps of one exercise, they would go over and they would scratch it off. My thought process was, because I'm aware of checklists, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, when people use checklists and they, they scratch it off, they get a little shot of dopamine. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm trying to pump my boys up with this dopamine response so that they have a positive um, um, feeling, sense of accomplishment with the exercise. Now, again, they're five and seven. I don't know how long yeah. it's going to last. <laughs> Eventually, they're probably going to be like, no, weightlifting is not cool, dad. Um, but that's kind of the approach I'm taking right now. You know, what, what, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I think that's an absolutely, that's an excellent way. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic way of approaching it uh, because we do it. There's no one on this planet who likes to be told what to do. Even if, you know, we take it with a grain of salt and we, we you know, put on a good face about it. We all like to feel that we are in control. Um, and so in hypnosis, I'm often talking about, you know, this is not about releasing control. This is about taking control over parts of your mind that you thought were out of, out of reach for you. And so having that agency, having that ability to choose, yes, I actually do want to exercise. I think that's fantastic. Whew, good to know. Awesome. <laughs> if you came at me the other road, I'd be like, I don't know if I can publish this episode. Someone's <laughs> going to get mad at me. How can hypnosis work for health outcomes? Let's say, for example, someone wants to put on a bunch of muscle. They come to you and say, not fat loss. I want to get beefy. Like, Can hypnosis work that way too? Yes, it absolutely can. Now, hypnosis, uh, there are some who will say that hypnosis can actually change our, our physical biology. And I believe in part of that, I'm still kind of researching that. Um, there's a really fascinating study that um, talks about hypnosis for cancer and mm-hmm. hypnosis for changing our immune responses. The science is still kind of out on that. What I would say with building muscle is it's probably going to impact the habits. It's going to impact that identity of being that muscular person. It's going to make it easier to stick with that, um, that gym routine that actually helps to build that muscle. I work with a lot of people who, when they, they get to a point of fatigue, you know, where they feel a sensation of burn, discomfort, they tend to check out very mm-hmm. quickly. They're like, ah, I'm done. And, you know, in my profession, if you want to get, if you want to put on more muscle, you have to, you have to embrace some of that discomfort more mm-hmm. 
than, than fat loss. Yeah. And, you know, the adaptation, the physiological adaptation is called protein synthesis where muscle actually grows. Muscle mm-hmm. will not grow unless it's stimulated to a point of discomfort. So a lot of times what I've found is I'll, when, I, when I'm asking someone, I'm pushing someone to go a little bit beyond what they can. And sometimes I got to hold their hand and give them all this positive reinforcement. You can mm-hmm. do this. Come on, it's going to be really good for you. You've done it before. You're going to make it. Oh, celebrate, high five or COVID elbow, whatever we got. Right. And then I could have yep. someone the complete opposite and I'll realize, oh, this person will respond better to negative reinforcement. Yes. Or I might start saying things like you can't, you can't do five more. There's no way you can do five more. There's no way you're going to, this is going to hurt too much. There's no way you can do this. Mm-hmm. And they'll respond by, by pushing hard. Why does that happen? Why, why do people respond differently to those types of uh, reinforcements? No, I personally, I cannot say definitively. I believe that it's what we were conditioned by when we were children. Mm-hmm. If you had parents who, um, if you had parents who tried to, I don't want to say beat you down, but like impose their, their values on you. And maybe that's that kind of resistance building up. Um, that might be part of the negative reinforcement. If it's, if you had parents that were very open and very loving and kind of kind, um, that might be someone who wants the, um, the more handholding option, or it might be completely reversed. Maybe they had the handholding when they were young um, and they want the negative stimulation. I think it really comes down to personality and how they're responding to whatever was in their, whatever was earlier in their life. I found that people who, uh, have a sport background, mm-hmm. right? Cause when I meet someone for the first time, I'm going to train them. I have to get little information about them. If they say things like, uh, if someone says, Oh yeah, I used to play like college football right away. I'm like, Oh, okay. So your environment would have been like, tell me I can't do it. Right. Yeah. You'd be used to getting beat down by your coach verbally. Right. Mm-hmm. So for someone like that, I might be, I might use similar strategies. And then on, on the other side of the coin, it might be like, I've never exercised a day in my life in grade 10. I dodged volleyballs. Yeah. Right. And then they have to use that, you know, hold their hand and kind of pat them through there. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have like that when you work with people, they, they must come in with mental blocks, mm-hmm. right? When they have mental blocks, how do you address those and overcome those? Oftentimes, as you mentioned with that volleyball example, it's that their mind is responding to something that is no longer in their life. Their mind is responding to that gym class that they really didn't enjoy. And they're linking that gym class to what they're now doing with their fitness. Mm-hmm. And so Hypnosis is not about removing memories. It's oftentimes more, uh, it's oftentimes better at changing the emotions and the responses to those memories. Uh, if someone comes in, I had someone in my early career who said, can you make me forget my ex or something like that? And mm. I said, memory doesn't work like that. The brain, the brain is always looking for more options, more resources, because that means it's more adaptable and that means you're more likely to survive. And so even if I work with someone um, with hypnosis to make them hate ice cream or something, or to um, change their habits around their fitness, their mind is still going to hold on to that program um, of being lazy or whatever they might have identified. It's simply going to put it way back in the mental storage unit, but you know it collects dust on a shelf. But if something happens and the brain needs that response again, it may pick that big thing up. And that's kind of why we see um, relapses in um, hypnosis, especially if it's like 10 years down the road. So for yourself, you've come from, you said you had some weight loss um, mm-hmm. um, issues when you're younger than hypno- hypnosis helped you. Yes. Weight. Can you yes. uh, elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. Hypnosis for me really helps to deal with the, the emotions 
behind my weight. It helped to deal with the um, negative associations that I had around losing weight and exercising because I was also that, that volleyball example. For me, it was basketball in, in gym class. I'm a guy with glasses and every single time it seemed like that basketball was like laser trained on hitting me right in the face. Uh, so I had a lot of negative associations with um, exercise, but I also had a lot of um, positive associations with food. Food, as I mentioned, was my first coping mechanism. Um, I grew up in a rural household where we didn't really talk about our feelings or about our emotions. And so I just kind of stuffed it down with ice cream or with chocolate cake or something like that. Hey, and you said have- ice cream, you said ice cream a dozen times. Now I got to ask you this now, yeah. have you been listening to my podcast a lot? Cause I talk about <laughs> ice cream all the time. It is my Achilles heel. It's my favorite food on the planet. Or are you and I just brothers? <laughs> I think it might be either of those. Um, I did do, I did listen in for a, uh, a little bit to prepare for this. And so uh, maybe that's just in the back of my mind. Anyway, um, hyp- hypnosis really helps me to uh, work with that habit because uh, it's that shot of dopamine again, mm-hmm. you know, that rat pushing the lever. I had to change my emotions around that ice cream and those, uh, those snacks and say, I actually don't need these things to survive and I can have them in moderation. I never tell someone, you know, you should never have this specific food again, because I believe that's just creating a ticking time bomb situation. Mm-hmm. And then they crash and they fall off the bandwagon and they think and nothing worked. And so mm-hmm. um, for me personally, hypnosis was all about changing my relationship with food. Even when I had lost some weight, even uh, I did some football in uh, middle school and high school, it kind of trimmed down. Even after that into college, I had that really negative relationship with food. And it was only after I started working with the emotions, that root cause that I actually kind of released those things. And now I'm a little more stable in my Mm. weight and my eating. How much weight did you, did you lose? Do you look like people are listing you? They can't see you, but we're going to put this one online. Eventually, like you look like a very healthy person. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I, uh, I was never like clinically obese, but I was always that chubby kid. And for me, even after I lost the weight, I wore these big, baggy sweatshirts and I was kind of hiding in my body image. So even though I wasn't like huge, I probably lost, you know, 50 pounds or something like that. Um, it's a good amount I, of weight. I, that, it <laughs> That's is a yes. lot of weight, man. 50 pounds. It is. Yes. Um, I mean, compared with some of the people that I work with who are like hundred pounds, 200 pounds overweight, it might not seem as much, but I really identified as that, as the fat kid as the person who, to have this weight, probably would have this weight for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. A session, a session with you. So, you know, when I think hypnosis and mm-hmm. hope you don't take this the wrong way. My, yeah. my first instinct was the watch, right? Yes. <laughs> like stare at the watch side to side, repeat yep. after me. You were feeling sleepy. Tell me that's not how it goes. It's not how it goes. Okay. I don't know. A, I have never met a single, actually, I've met one hypnotist who swings a watch but that's only because he does stage shows only. And that's, you know, that's what the, that's what society kind of expects. But um, the, the swinging watch idea is what's called an induction. And it's about getting a person to that, um, that relaxed state of state. Since hypnosis has come around, um, I'm sure people did swing watches in the early days, but we've got such better tools of working with the mind to get them to that, that theta state much quicker than swinging a watch. So what do you use instead? Do you swing other things? <laughs> Oftentimes it's about um, focusing on one specific thing. Um, it's about, it's also about um, creating 
I don't want to say the symptoms, but creating the signs of a trance. When a person is in a trance, you know, their body's very relaxed. The, the facial muscles are very relaxed. And sometimes they get what is known as um, catalepsy. When the, um, the agonist and the antagonist muscles of a, a limb are in perfect balance, essentially like, you know, if, if a person puts their hand in the air, it just kind of stays there. That's mm. what we can do with hypnosis with these faster methods. Um, we can create, we can create those symptoms or those effects of hypnosis. And then the brain kind of reverse engineers the trance. And so with most of inductions, it's about getting a person relaxed, getting them to um, that state where they're comfortable with it, and then using language patterns and perhaps even physical patterns to help them um, get to that theta state. Is this similar to when people are falling asleep and they're not fully asleep and they're still awake and sometimes they're, you know, they might twitch or move an arm or something? Yes, I see. <laughs> I see a lot of twitching in hypnosis. Um, and that brings up a really great point that hypnosis, it's not sleep, even though it kind of looks like sleep. A person is awake and aware the entire time. They remember about as much as they would during a normal conversation. Um, mm. It's also about that idea of, um, you know, if you're, if you're watching a movie and it's you know an hour and a half, but it seems to go by in five minutes or something like that, that time distortion is also a really big sign of a really deep hypnotic trance. What's the environment look like? I just, I picture, well, I told you, I picture the guy swinging the clock, right? Yep. If that's not happening, like, is it just a leather couch? Do you use music? Do you sense and stuff? Is it an office? Like, would you give someone a session at a coffee shop? Is that a possibility? I think that, I mean, I definitely have worked in busy environments like a coffee shop, but hypnosis works best when you can focus on one thing. Um, I would say that most people can go in hypnosis. The one thing that I recommend is that people with ADHD or attention issues, hypnosis might not be a good fit. Hypnosis is all about focusing on the suggestions and about that relaxation. So for most people, um, especially before COVID, it was about having an office, like a dentist or a doctor. They would just go into a room and there'd be probably a recliner or something. Um, and a hypnotist would sit in the chair and just talk to them. Um, for me personally, you know, I'm doing this in, um, in office space in my home. I actually built my business to be completely virtual from the start. Mm -hmm. And I found at first that, you know, there was that idea, you can't really work with hypnosis online. That was, that was a false belief, I think, because after COVID, a lot of hypnotists are now specializing in online stuff. What I find is that when a person is in their home environment, one, they feel more safe and they, they're probably more likely to relax in that environment. But two, they're also in the same place where those negative associations are, those negative habits are. You know, if someone comes into a hypnotist, hypnotist office and they drive half an hour to go back home, that half an hour might be a, might be a barrier but if someone has a hypnosis session and they close their computer and they walk into the kitchen where they struggle with that, you know, that ice cream or that addiction, or I don't want to say addiction, but that habit around mm. their food, um, those old responses are going to fire much faster and they're much more able to overcome them when it's immediate like that. Yeah. It sounds like it's quick exposure. Yes. Right? So they're fresh, they're fresh off a session. The brain is, is now probably tuned in the better direction. And then they're right in the environment where they have to face those scenarios. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's not too, too many things where you say, Hey, COVID did something good, <laughs> but you know, you were able to do a virtual business um, and, and help people probably beyond uh, you know, a drive, let alone. So I think there's some benefits there for sure. Yes, absolutely. And that for me personally, um, a lot of hypnotists are generalists. They do anxiety, they do weight loss, they do confidence but with online work. 
I can now specialize in one thing. I can specialize in what I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. and I can get really good at this one specific area of, of hypnosis. And that's why, that's why I've really specialized in weight loss hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't told you this, but uh, my mother, uh, who was a smoker majority of her life tried everything and uh, guess what actually worked hypnosis. (laughs) Yep. That was, that was uh, so it was interesting because she went with two of her sisters. So three of them went to, to quit together. It only worked for my mom, not the other two. Gotcha. But as yeah. you said in the beginning, you said you got to be willing, right? Yes. Like that's a big component. And I think it was like the 10th thing she tried yes. while my, my aunts, you know, they were, they were fresh into, oh, I think I want to quit. You know, I need to quit. Yep. But I don't think they really tried too many things. So their willingness probably was not at the same level. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, do you do anything to set, to set the brain in the, in the right scenario um uh, like do you ever use things like supplementation for people or hey drink this special tea and it'll kind of calm you down i personally i personally do not um if someone you know wants to do that on their own time um definitely that that can help um i i personally do some of that in my own life just to um, get my my brain and my body working in, in i don't want to firing on all cylinders i guess mm-hmm. But I, I often tell people, you know, I'm a hypnotist. I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist. I'm not going to recommend, I'm not going to give you a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to help you change those habits and those identities. Mm-hmm. And are you familiar with any supplements that are good for brain health when people are trying to, you know, stick to a new program or change habits? I'm actually not too familiar with that. Me either. That's why I asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Doug, tell me a little bit more about your program as we come to the end here. Yeah, I would say um, I, I have two main programs. One is specifically about emotional eating and body image. Um, it's about tackling those root issues. That one is pretty intense. Um, I don't want to say it's difficult, but they've got to be willing to actually address oftentimes it's trauma or oftentimes it's uh, negative associations with their parents or something like that. Um, that one is the main program I work with. The other one that's just for weight loss, I actually run a program called the Virtual Gastric Band. Um, it's one of the most effective weight loss programs that I've found with hypnosis. Um, it was invented in the United Kingdom and it underwent two initial studies that replicated about a 95% success rate at losing at least some weight. Mm. Um, that's the four session program that I mentioned. Um, it's a little more formulaic. And so um, that, that is often less expensive than the initial pro than the other program that I work with. Um, but those are the two main programs that I work with. Okay. And you've got a podcast. I do. Yes. It is actually launching a couple of days from now. I've got quite a few, quite a few episodes on the back end. Um, it's called the weight loss with hypnosis podcast. And I talk about weight loss and hypnosis, of course, but I also talk to uh, fitness experts and nutritionists because my clients are often like, okay, I, I got these habits now, but how do I eat? What do I do for my fitness? And so while we talk about hypnosis and weight loss, it's also about talking to other experts in the field to learn a little bit more, as well as to find a, an expert that might be a great supplement or a complimentary resource for them. In a perfect world, anyone who wants to get healthy, they walk into a clinic and in the clinic, it's got an expert in each individual field. Yes. And it's, you got your team of 12, you're LeBron James. You got your team of 12 people. And this person can tell you this, this person can tell you this, this person can tell you this. So I think it's a great idea having experts on your podcast, kind of like what we're doing right now with my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, just lastly here, I want to formally thank you for coming on the project for this podcast, but if someone's listening right now and they're on the fence, they're like, you know what? I've tried everything. I want to try hypnosis, but I'm not sure. What's one thing you would say to him or her? I would say that hypnosis is, it's misunderstood. 
and we have a lot of negative associations around it. And there's a lot of science that um, we can look at. If someone wants to actually know the science, just go to Google Scholar and Google hypnosis. There are studies on the brain waves. There are studies on the actual effectiveness with weight loss and other issues. And I just encourage them to actually consider it and do their own research. Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. I'm a big believer in, I don't even care that much of why something works. I'm a big believer in, oh, it works? Let's do it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a bonus absolutely. if I know why. But if it works, I'm all for it. So, so there you have it today, sitting down with Doug Sands, talking about hypnosis for weight loss. Doug, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope to be in touch with you in the future. Absolutely. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.